Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. We must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Tuesday, August 29th, 2023, the 951st day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month, and in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't, or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free a couple days later on a wide variety of podcast platforms and, of course, Rumble. All I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. So on yesterday's show, we talked at length about how the GOP establishment and the Uniparty are totally out of touch with normal Americans and the American majority. The Uniparty is not and cannot be the American majority. If it was, they wouldn't need the propaganda. They wouldn't need the censorship. They wouldn't need the political persecutions and prosecutions of their political opponents and those political opponents, supporters. And they wouldn't need to steal elections. All of that is indicative of a regime who has seized power by force and coercion and corruption 
and does not in any way govern with the will and consent of the American people. And we concluded the show by discussing how the viral trend of this past weekend was black Americans online publicly declaring their support for Donald Trump. Now, does that mean Trump is going to win a majority of black Americans next year? That remains to be seen. The point is that the stigma of black Americans supporting Donald Trump is gone. The narrative that Donald Trump is racist has fallen apart. And we talked about how some of that is due to Trump's mugshot and the now fourth corrupt indictment of Donald Trump that is directly intended to prevent Donald Trump from running for president. We are being shown that the regime is pursuing its political opponents to hold on to its illegitimate power. But that is not the only race related narrative to emerge from this indictment situation. There is also the story of Harrison Deal. And this is what the Washington Examiner had to say about Harrison Deal's situation on Friday. And it's evolved a little bit since then, but this is some good backstory. Trump co-defendant Harrison Floyd is to remain in Fulton County Jail after Judge Emily Richardson denied to set his bond. Floyd is one of 19 co-defendants, including former President Donald Trump, in the Georgia racketeering case. Floyd was charged in May with assaulting an FBI agent, serving him a subpoena to testify in special counsel Jack Smith's federal investigation about alleged efforts to overturn the 2020 election. So he's involved in both indictments and he has been accused of body slamming the FBI agent who did not proceed to immediately arrest him in that situation. Richardson argued that Floyd was at risk of committing additional crimes or fleeing if released. There are grounds for bonds to be denied at this point, she said. I'm going to go ahead and find that you are a risk to commit additional felonies and a potential risk to flee the jurisdiction. Richardson said a full consideration of bond will be addressed by Judge Scott McAfee, who will preside over the case. Floyd was informed of this in his first virtual court appearance on Friday, at which he appeared in a prison uniform. He said he could not afford a personal attorney, but Richardson said he did not reach the eligibility requirements to be appointed a public defender. Floyd also said he had not been read his Miranda rights. Now, I imagine you're all familiar with Miranda rights, but in case you're not, this is some of the description from findlaw.com. What are known as Miranda rights come from an historic 1966 United States Supreme Court case called Miranda versus Arizona. The Supreme Court held that if the police want to question slash interrogate you in police custody, they must apprise you of your constitutional protections. These include protections against making self-incriminating statements and your right to legal counsel. And the Miranda rights that are read out should be familiar to everyone if you've ever seen a cop show or a courtroom drama. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be held against you in a court of law. You have the right to an attorney. If you cannot afford an attorney, one will be appointed for you. The description also notes, Miranda rights allow you to choose not to answer an officer's question and you may request an attorney. However, you must affirmatively invoke your rights to remain silent and to an attorney. Once you invoke your right to remain silent, police must stop questioning you. 
To close out the Washington Examiner article, Floyd is being charged with violating Georgia's anti-racketeering law, influencing a witness and conspiring to solicit false statements. That means he was planning with other people to get someone to lie, a witness to lie. The charges relate to an incident in which prosecutors claim Floyd tried to pressure an Atlanta election worker into admitting to committing mass voter fraud. And isn't it strange that the Washington Examiner, the conservative outlet, will not name who that witness is? Can you guess which Georgia election worker they're talking about? That would be Ruby Freeman. This is Robert Bowes on War Room yesterday with Steve Bannon. You have Harrison Floyd, and normally Bose comes on to talk about capital markets. Robert, Harrison Floyd is a patriot and a hero. Why is he still in this jail, which is one of the worst jails in the country? Why did, and, and quite frankly, I think the only black male that was part of this, why did they single him out for this? It's outrageous, sir. So, yes, uh, it, Martin Luther King said, if there's an injustice anywhere, it's a threat to justice everywhere. Well, I can tell you Fannie Willis is actually a threat to justice. So Harrison Floyd was uh, on the phone call. He wasn't even in Georgia. And he was listening to Ruby Freeman blow the whistle on January 4th of 2021. Uh, Trevian Cuddy was there sitting next to Ruby as she did this voluntarily. Uh, Trevian said the federal people were in the station there with her. Um, there was another young man, uh, Garrison Douglas, he was, he was sitting next to Ruby Freeman, but he's Brian Kemp's spokesman. He was not indicted. Very curious about that. Harrison was, no, no one pressured Ruby. She had a contrite moment of where she knew something was wrong with the Fulton elections. And she wanted to talk about the USBs blowing your mind. She talked about the, the rescanning, the cases under the table. And Harrison just happened to be there uh, when, when Ruby voluntarily made these claims. Uh, Harrison hang, on, is, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, slow down. How do we know that? How do we, because Ruby Freeman's saying that's all thing and she's going after uh, Gateway Pun and others, Rudy Giuliani for defamation. How do you know that's a fact? So there's a body cam with her admissions that directly contradict her suit in, in, in the D.C. court. And, and you know, Steve, that she has Michael Gottlieb and five others from Wilkie Farr Gallagher as her lawyers. She and her, and her daughter, Shay Moss, are represented by Wilkie Farr. This is a, a very coordinated uh, smear campaign against anybody. Okay, hang, hang on, hang on, hang on. But is, Harrison Floyd, is that the entirety of why he's considered part of the 18 because he was on that phone call? Is that is that the root of the charges against him, just that, that he was on this first phone call or listening to him when Ruby Freeman was saying this? That's is that it? That's it. He's falsely accused along with all the others. No, none of the 19 did anything wrong. No crimes. Uh, they, they alleged that Harrison was pressuring Ruby to make false statements about the election. Well, Ruby did it on her own, and she had tremendous evidence. She talked about there not being a cover-up, okay. that the GBI in Fulton County didn't investigate. So they okay. already had a shot. Hang, 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 hang on. We'll get into all that. That's all we yeah. can get into that the days ahead. I, I want to deal okay. with that. I just want to be specific. That is the charge that they're saying Harrison tried to force her to say something. And, of course, you say there's evidence and cameras, all that. We'll get to that later, Monday or Tuesday. Why is Harrison Floyd, why did the judge just say 
you, you're not eligible for bail. You got to stay in this in this what they call the one of the most dangerous jails in the country. Why is Harrison Floyd singled out from all the others that put a bond and, and were able to take off? Why why they single out the black man for this? It's incredible. I cannot believe it. it's outrageous that they did that. Now, there, there, she said falsely. This judge, Emily Richardson, said that he's he's going likely to commit felonies again. He never committed any felonies. He he was actually served a subpoena and did not assault anybody. He didn't body slam anybody. He was the, the FBI and the same two guys that got Navarro and Flynn, same two agents. They went after Harrison Floyd in Rockville, Maryland, tried to trip him. And then Harrison basically was in their face yelling at him. But that's not assault. And they didn't arrest him at the time. That's the interesting thing. So there was no if they these eight FBI agents wanted to arrest him, they would have done it at the time. So Harrison Floyd, his crime was being on a phone call with Ruby Freeman being the whistleblower that she is. And if she is truly a whistleblower and is under whistleblower protection, that really puts a whole wrinkle on the idea that that Fulton County count after the poll watchers had all been sent home, after everyone was sent home, after they were told that the counting was done for the night, really kind of makes that debunking look silly. And that body cam footage that he is discussing is available online. You can find it at georgiarecord.com. The headline is Ruby Freeman body cam admissions revealed in the Georgia ballot scanning scandal. The date is Christmas Day of 2022. So Harrison Floyd was on that phone call. That is his involvement in this conspiracy. Two FBI agents went after him, the same who pursued Michael Flynn and Peter Navarro. And it is alleged that he body slammed the FBI agents who did not arrest him. Because of that, he is being called a flight risk. And it is claimed that it's possible he's going to go out and commit more felonies. Now, he does have new legal representation at this point, and that new legal representation has noted that Harrison Floyd traveled to Fulton County from Maryland to turn himself in before Trump even went down and turned himself in. That is a very strange form of flight risk. And so the story we have, the takeaway in the counter narrative is that the only black man involved in this quote unquote conspiracy is the one who is still being held without bond while everyone else was able to go free. Now, the entire indictment and everything surrounding it is a grave injustice. And the racial element here only serves to compound that in the public perception of these events. And because the race narrative in this country is only allowed to go one direction, these two aspects of the Trump indictment story needed to be countered immediately. And so, of course, we have a racially motivated, quote unquote, mass shooting that is naturally being exploited by the media and the race baiters across our vast American union. Now, over the course of the afternoon yesterday, I observed something very strange emanating from Con Inc. and from the GOP establishment media and its influencers. An anti-Trump racial counter narrative began to emerge and people began asserting that it was racist to claim that black Americans would rally to Donald Trump's defense because of the mugshot. 
Now, there is absolutely a racist way to make that case. If you are asserting that black people are criminals, black people get mugshots, therefore they care about Donald Trump's mugshot, as if that suggests that all black Americans are somehow criminals. Now, if anyone is asserting that, then okay, that's racist, but I don't really see that being asserted. All I see is the boomerang version of the narrative we are continuously inundated with from the left, that black Americans have a keen sense and understanding of injustice in America, and they react strongly and swiftly to it on the side of those being unjustly accused. And it turns out that's exactly what we saw in the viral video phenomenon. Now, is that representative of all black Americans across the country? Of course it's not. I imagine there are plenty of black Americans across the country who are still brainwashed into believing that Donald Trump is racist and that he actually has committed these grave crimes against America that no one who accuses him of those, including the prosecutors, can accurately describe. And we'll circle back on some of that later as well. So I begin to see this narrative emerge on Twitter, and I think to myself, this doesn't seem natural. Something seems very strange about this. The viral videos are definitely out there. I don't really believe anyone's claiming this is representative of all of black America. But the fact that these viral videos exist and the fact that these major mainstream rappers are coming out in support of Donald Trump does indicate the breaking of this stigma. And the collapse of this narrative that Donald Trump is racist and that Donald Trump is disliked and disapproved of by black Americans. It is becoming increasingly clear that that simply isn't true. So when there is an effort online to disavow an emerging narrative like this, you have to wonder where it's coming from and why it's happening, because it doesn't reflect reality. It is quite obviously a defense mechanism for a damaging narrative that is emerging in the public mindset. Now, who would want to tamp down that narrative? Obviously, anyone who is anti-Trump. Now, you can see the left going crazy about narratives concerning black Americans getting behind Donald Trump because that is their worst nightmare. But why would we see so-called conservatives joining them in propagating that narrative? Well, it's because those so-called conservatives are primarily anti-Trump. They don't care about anything else. They certainly don't care about winning over the support of black Americans because right now online they are saying publicly that the Republican Party will never win the support of black Americans. And they're saying that while simultaneously claiming other people are racist, which is strange because there are a lot of MAGA supporters out there who want to see black American Byron Donalds as Donald Trump's vice presidential pick. But Con Inc. jumped on board with this and many of them shared the same post. And it's from a man named Rob Smith, who is a Fox News contributor and has a website where you can donate to him called Stop Woke. He is going to be the woke fighter we've all been waiting for. Another mainstream establishment conservative who's going to take down the wokeness and who knows that the only way to ever stop wokeness is by making sure that Donald Trump can never be president again, 
even though MAGA has done more to disrupt wokeness than any establishment conservative could ever dream of doing. Now, why does Rob Smith have nearly 300,000 followers, most of them not real, on Twitter? And why does he get these Fox News appearances? Well, it's because he's black and because he's gay and because he's a veteran and because he claims to be a conservative and he makes quasi-conservative arguments on Fox News and on his Stop Woke website. And that's it. There's no other reason why anyone cares about this person's ideas because they're not new ideas. They're not good ideas. They're just those ideas coming out of the mouth of a gay, black, conservative veteran and absolutely nothing else. He literally trades on his identity. And as you're about to see, he believes he can speak for black Americans. So let's see how he thinks of them. Your favorite influencer will never tell you that black people will never vote Republican in any real numbers. It's not happening, folks. Trump did everything to get the black vote in 2020 and only got 11 percent. The platinum plan was great. It was real. It was an honest effort and still got him very little. 2024 numbers will be the same. You guys have no idea how toxic the Republican branding is in the black community or the onslaught of Dem propaganda blacks receive virtually everywhere we go in media. Think they're watching cable news? Ha! They're on the shade room and Hollywood unlocked and watching Breakfast Club. That is Charlemagne the God show where Joe Biden said, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Where they're getting Dem propaganda day in, day out. The fact that most of you will not know what any of those things are shows you how culturally out of touch most conservatives are with where blacks actually consume their messaging. The best Republicans can hope for, and I'm being 100 percent honest, is that blacks get fed up with Dems and refrain from voting for them. That is realistic and where things are trending with the awakening that is happening. But only a fool would think these people will just vote for Republicans after a lifetime of propaganda pushing them against it. Anyone actively pushing this idea is selling you a dream. And he is quote tweeting a post from Citizen Free Press that says the energy is shifting, showing polling support for Donald Trump among black voters. It shows that in 2020, supposedly 8% of black Americans voted for Donald Trump with 91% voting for Joe Biden, the 2023 Fox News poll from the middle of August, the 11th through the 14th, shows 20% support for Donald Trump and 61% for Biden. Now, we talked last week about the problems with all of these numbers. There is no reason to believe the voting percentage from 2020. There is no real reason to believe that the polls are accurately reflecting the opinion and belief of black Americans right now. But it certainly is shifting. So we have gay, black, conservative Fox News contributor and attention farmer Rob Smith suggesting that reported results of elections prove that there is no way Donald Trump can win the support of black Americans. All of this reaction you're seeing to the mugshot is actually racist. And if you're buying into the idea that black Americans could be convinced to support Donald Trump, you're racist. Listen to the Fox News contributor as he tries to convince you that black Americans 
only care about Democrat propaganda. They're all consumed with watching The Breakfast Club. They don't have thoughts of their own. Now, naturally, I had to reply to him and I said, it's weird to say this and also know there is massive election fraud in the country. It's like you don't know what you're even saying. And he responds, there was not enough election fraud to change the 2020 election. Trump underperformed with whites and the black vote didn't increase enough to offset it. I know exactly what I'm saying, but please keep listening to people who lie to you for their own benefit. Now, this is a rather astounding claim coming from someone who makes a living lying to people on mass media for their benefit, for the benefit of the regime that is paying him. He is asserting that people who believe Joe Biden did not actually receive 81 million real lawful American votes and want to do something about it. People who believe that our elections are stolen, believe all that as the product of of people who are lying to us for their own benefit. You see, we're all suckers and rubes, just like apparently all black Americans who are too busy watching The Breakfast Club to understand that they're getting played. Now, you could take Rob Smith at his word. A lot of establishment conservatives say very similar things. Yeah, there may have been some fraud, but it wasn't enough to change the outcome of the election. That is the sort of lie they tell each other. And because they've all agreed to lie about it, they'll all nod and say, yeah, you're right about that. Gosh, I wish we would fix the elections. But the only way to do it is by electing people in this rigged election system. And then once we give them power and benefit from this system, oh, they're going to tear that system down. This is very standard fare among uniparty right standard issue villagers. And they think it is smart and rational because they see uniparty right influencers like Rob Smith and like DeSantis simps telling them that it makes sense. Rob Smith is asserting that anyone saying the no-no words about the election is lying for his or her own benefit. And I assume, of course, that that would be me and I'm believing my own lies, I guess, for my own benefit while I am misleading myself and ultimately harming myself. Got it. Okay. Well, okay. Also, we're talking about a situation where you are highly incentivized to say that the election was free and fair, safe and secure, and that the reported results reflect the will and intent of the American voters. And you are severely punished and censored, and they try to destroy your life if you're saying what I say. But we're all sucking up the lie for our own benefit. Rob, however, would never lie, just like in this post where he said he's being 100% honest. He is right now representing himself honestly by saying there was not enough election fraud to have changed the outcome of the election. Except here is Rob Smith, the very same Rob Smith, in a post that is still on Twitter, or I should say X now, where Rob Smith says on 11 November 19th, 2020. This Rudy Giuliani press conference is the real deal. This election fraud is not some fringe conspiracy. This kind of stuff is directly threatening to our democracy. And regardless of where you fall politically, everyone in caps should be paying attention. So he knew it was real in November 2020. He knew that Rudy's press conferences and hearings were representative of real Americans and their experience witnessing election fraud and the proof they had on video, in documents, the many varieties of proof. 
were not a quote unquote fringe conspiracy. They were real. Well, he has gone back on that statement completely, totally reversed himself. Did the debunkings work on him? Did he figure it out? No, no, no. There's no evidence of that whatsoever. He simply stopped talking about it. And now he has the opposite opinion and he is working very hard to stop wokeness. In fact, he's so committed to stopping wokeness that he knows we must ignore election fraud altogether in the service of winning a rigged election next fall. And Donald Trump can't do that. So is he supporting Donald Trump next year, even though he pretended to in 2020? No, he sure isn't. I mean, unless Trump gets the nomination. And then, of course, he goes back to being a good conservative who right now says Donald Trump is telling the big lie and tearing down our democracy. But next year, we'll realize that Donald Trump has a little R next to his name. And Rob Smith's very deeply held principles dictate that he must vote for anyone if that person has a little R next to his name. It's like all those people out there blaming Trump for the vaccine. They are accusing him of participating in genocide, but also say that they will be happy to vote for him in 2024 if he is the Republican nominee, because all that matters is beating Joe Biden. Not that genocide thing. We're just using that to harm Trump right now. Would they ever admit that? Of course not, because they're liars. It just happens to be an inescapable conclusion of what they're doing. Now, yesterday I mentioned that roly poly little dork, Steve Dace. I'm told his name is Dace, by the way. I have a very astute listener who who corrected my pronunciation on that. It's not Steve Dace, it's Steve Dace, apparently. And she let me know that Steve Dace, after the election of 2020, knew that the election was stolen and announced on his show for the blaze that he was going to stop talking about it in order to protect the jobs of the blaze employees, because he was worried that they would all lose their platform and lose their livelihoods if they told the truth about election fraud. He is just one of the many, quote unquote, conservative influencers in the country who would freely admit that they wanted to protect their platform rather than tell the truth about the usurpation of the United States of America. And again, he can't come out and say that clearly. So he figures out a way to portray himself as heroic for refusing to talk about the usurpation of the United States of America. He's actually doing it to save other people's jobs. And now, of course, he is one of the biggest Ron DeSantis simps out there pretending that that usurpation no longer matters. Well, on Twitter last year, 2022, October 27th, just days before Donald Trump whispered the first desanctimonious and all of these people went absolutely insane, Steve Dace tweeted, the 2020 election was stolen and a majority of Americans know it. Well, yeah, that's true. So why are you trying to help get rid of the man it was stolen from? And of course, they have some answers for this. So let's talk about these answers, because it's important that we're able to get through and navigate this conversation because they keep repeating the same points. This is also why it is so important and so telling to continually ask people, do you believe that Joe Biden received 81 million real, lawful American votes. Just ask the question like that. Use those words. 
Do you believe Joe Biden received 81 million real lawful American votes? You've got your bases covered. You are getting them on the record with a yes or no question. What you will find is they will almost always waffle on their answer. They will try to distract to something else. They will try to give the Rob Smith answer and say, well, I know that there was some fraud and he probably didn't get 81 million, but it wasn't enough to overturn the results of the election. Ask them how they know that, that it wasn't enough, and they'll have no answer. They will immediately revert to a lower level argument. They will not answer the question directly because they do not know the answer to the question. They will immediately revert to saying, well, if there was enough to overturn the results, Trump wasn't able to prove it. And the court cases prove that. And the certifications from 50 states prove that. And the certifications in the House and Senate confirm that. But none of those things actually confirm that. None of those things confirm that. None of those things confirm the lawfulness of those votes, the realness of those votes, the fact that they're from Americans, and no one can check the votes. We've seen that to be true over the course of three years. Real audits have not happened. There was a forensic audit in Maricopa County, Arizona, and that discovered tons of unlawfulness and destroyed evidence, far more than enough to have changed the reported results of that election. And the same holds true for all the swing states. But these are the things that get said. And if you respond and let them know this, they will eventually get mad and they will immediately switch topics again. They're not prepared to discuss any of these things because they are not able to adequately navigate their way through that conversation. The fact that this is true on an issue of this great importance should tell you all you need to know about these people and where they stand. There cannot be a more important issue than the votes of everyone not counting and the fact that the nation has been usurped and now is being led by an illegitimate government that is working in league with a global regime that portends the end of America. And these guys are making jokes about Creepy little dudes on Bud Light cans. So you ask, do you believe Joe Biden received 81 million real lawful American votes? And what do they say? Well, if they say yes, then they are either stupid, ignorant, or lying. There is no other way around that. There is absolutely no justification for believing Joe Biden got 81 million real lawful American votes. It cannot be substantiated, which is why they don't let anyone check. Reported results of elections are not proof that the underlying votes are real or lawful or American. They just aren't. The only proof of that lies in the votes. And without being able to check and without having transparency in the system, there is no reason in the world for any responsible, faithful American to possibly believe that's true. And the truth is, people haven't really thought it through, and they haven't really checked. Some people did check, and they immediately believed all the debunkings and fact checks because they wanted it to be true that Donald Trump actually lost and that their point of view actually does represent a majority of Americans, but it doesn't. And again, they didn't check. They read the fact checks. They read the debunkings. They didn't apply that level of scrutiny to the fact checks and debunkings themselves. They never looked to try to find the real evidence or the source documentation beneath all of that. 
Steve Dace himself went along with the lie a few weeks ago that Rudy Giuliani knew his claims to be false in Georgia. Nothing could be further from the truth. All Rudy did was stipulate for the purposes of litigation that his statements could be assumed to be false to advance the litigation. That is not anywhere close to an admission that they actually were false. Not anywhere close to that. But these DeSantis simps will still repeat those storylines because it buttresses their case. If they go out and make the case that Joe Biden really is legitimate, then it's just blatantly obvious that they're supporting someone other than the duly elected president, which makes them complicit in the underlying crime, which is, hey, guys, treason and sedition. They're aiding in the overthrow of the United States of America in league with a global regime looking to subsume the United States of America into that global regime forever. This, again, is unavoidable. So people have trusted the TV, trusted the basic logic that Trump wouldn't have lost all these cases if there was really evidence of fraud, even though the evidence was basically never shown and the cases were dismissed on procedural grounds. And that was enough for them. Or they read debunkings and fact checks, and that was enough for them. None of them actually checked trying to prove the claims correct, giving the benefit of the doubt to those claims and seeing if they could substantiate them. No, they only looked for ways that they could cast doubt on those claims and suggested that because there is doubt, the claim remains unproven and therefore the claim should be ignored and dismissed, even though the stakes are the usurpation of the United States of America. Is that responsible citizenship? Is that a wise move if you care about the future of this nation? Absolutely not. And it's unfortunate that so many of our citizens believed the narratives about the dangers of Donald Trump and his supporters to the point where they would actually support the usurpation of the country in order to get rid of Donald Trump. That is very sad. It's very unfortunate. And hopefully we will be able to reverse that trend. And hopefully people will accept what has been done and do their best to try to remedy it. But that's for the people who were fooled, the people who were ignorant, and maybe even some of the people who just aren't bright enough to understand what all of this means, even while they're looking at it. That does not cover for the people who are lying about it. And that's the biggest problem. There are a lot of people who are lying about it. But here's the thing. When it comes to Con Inc., when it comes to the GOP establishment and the DeSantis simps, they generally know that claiming Joe Biden actually received 81 million real lawful American votes won't fly. Because as Steve Dace noted nearly a year ago, the majority of Americans know the 2020 election was stolen, and it's well more than a majority. It's more than two thirds at this point. They will admit that Joe Biden did not receive 81 million real lawful American votes, but then they will provide a justification for why it's OK to ignore it. In fact, why it's heroic to ignore it, and we must ignore it in order to save the country. We must ignore the usurpation of the country in order to save it. We must find someone who can, quote unquote, win a rigged election in order to unrig elections. We must find someone the regime will not steal an election from. And they claim that has to be Ron because Donald Trump is so disliked that he can never win the swing states. Well, that's strange, isn't it? Because just weeks after the 2020 election, there were polls done. If you knew about the Hunter Biden laptop at the time, would you still have voted for Joe Biden? 
and something like 16, 17% of Biden voters said, no, they would not have. Well, that'll fix it right there. If the reported results were actually real and they're not, but that would fix that problem right there. So would the shift in Hispanic support. So would the shift in black American support. So would the shift in union support. But they'll ignore that. They just want to find someone who's so popular, like Ron DeSantis, who is now in single digits, that he's going to win swing states in this rigged election construct. And again, I've been mentioning since before Glenn Youngkin's election in the fall of 2021 that the Uniparty wants and needs Uniparty right candidates to win so that the elections look legitimate. There is still the notion floating about that Democrats are stealing the elections. No, it's the Uniparty stealing elections. The Uniparty left and the Uniparty right join together to create this paradigm. It doesn't matter which side of the Uniparty is in power. It doesn't matter Democrat or Republican, red or blue. It only matters Uniparty or not Uniparty. The Uniparty wins with either option if we are stuck in the Democrat-Republican paradigm. The Uniparty would not be opposed to Ron DeSantis winning because that would tell the country, at least from their perspective, that our elections are fine because a Republican won. So we're told there was fraud, but not enough fraud to have made a difference. Now, this is not defensible territory because you can ask them how much fraud or how much fraud is acceptable in an election or how can you be sure there wasn't enough fraud to change the outcome since no one was allowed to check and they will not have an answer there. So what do they move to? What is the galaxy brain option that they believe is the smartest explanation for all of this? They will claim that they know the election was stolen, but Donald Trump wasn't smart enough or strong enough to hold on to his office and therefore, he is not a viable option going forward. We need to choose someone else who can actually win the fight against rigged elections. They will say it doesn't matter that he was the duly elected president and should be recognized publicly as president right now. They'll say that they are the pragmatists only concerned with winning. And Donald Trump didn't get the job done. Sure, the throne was usurped, but the person who is the rightful president lost the battle to retain power and therefore we must move on from him. And they will say this while claiming that they supported him remaining in power because that's the only way that they can make a claim like that. At least in good faith, they have to assert that Donald Trump did everything he could do and that was not enough and that them knowing that the country had been usurped they also participated and did everything they could do on Donald Trump's behalf, and all of it wasn't enough. Therefore, we need to redouble our efforts with a new leader so this time we can win. And people will think, okay, well, maybe there's something to that. Maybe Trump's efforts simply weren't enough, and he just walked away. All that matters is who is publicly recognized as president. Donald Trump is not currently publicly recognized as president. Therefore, he did not have what it took to remain president. We all tried our best and it didn't work, except for the fact that they did not all try their best. Most, if not all of the DeSantis simps were at some time never Trump. The ones who actually supported Donald Trump with any level of authenticity, and there are not many, 
were the Ben Shapiro Daily Wire types who were sometimes Trump. That's even what Ben Shapiro used to call himself. They would reward Trump with nice words when he did the right things for the Uniparty, and they would insult him the rest of the time. And they would talk about how he's dishonest, how he's incompetent, how he's stupid, how he's a man of low character, and how he cares only about himself. So they would occasionally give him a little credit for occasional policy wins when the interests aligned with the uniparty rights political agenda in support of the global regime. And the rest of the time, they were telling their audience that Donald Trump is a bad and stupid man. And all of the people in the sometimes Trump camp were so much smarter, so much more competent and so much more responsible. And in fact, they were the strongest people. They're the people who could actually get the job done. And while Trump does some good things, if you really want a lot of good things, you need to return control to the Republican establishment that has given away our country over the last four decades. It is what they did prior to Trump becoming the nominee in 2016. They did not throw their full support behind him. Outlets like National Review proudly declared they were never Trump. Then they all pretended to be sometimes Trump while he was in office. They tried to cater to Trump supporters because they would have all lost their platforms. Otherwise, they would have had to come out publicly and be never Trump. And then no one would have ever taken them seriously again. They would have been seen as the Lincoln Project. And then, of course, we remember where they stood in 2020. Donald Trump had the little R next to his name. Therefore, they supported him. But that whole time where they were supporting him, they were also telling everybody how incompetently he was handling the very deadly pandemic. He was causing too many problems. He was saying all the no-no things. He was spreading conspiracy theories and disinformation, but they still wanted him to be president. Sure, he would fail spectacularly in a very deadly pandemic situation, but he's still better than Joe Biden, at least until it is announced that Joe Biden, quote unquote, won, and then they need to protect our democracy. For the following two years, they called MAGA supporters dangerous and stupid and incompetent and accused us of insurrection, believing the big lie, falling for all of it, being Russian stooges, being the reason why we lost the 2022 midterms. They blamed Trump, for Kerry Lake, who they also call a loser. Kerry Lake is a loser, according to these guys. They support the legitimacy of Joe Biden, who they say they didn't support in 2020, but they do support his legitimacy, even though they know the election was stolen. They still call him president and they say all that matters is defeating him. But that's not all that mattered when they stopped supporting Donald Trump immediately after Joe Biden was announced the winner. One or two of them got around the edges in the election reviews. Kurt Schlichter and Jenna Ellis, they participated a little bit. How did their efforts not work? Are they incompetent at fighting to prevent the usurpation of the United States of America? Apparently, they're just not competent. How does that work? Most of these people spent most of their time and energy trying to diminish Donald Trump in the eyes of his own supporters and diminish Donald Trump's supporters in the eyes of most Americans. That is the same set of goals pursued by the uniparty left. It is the same set of goals pursued by the Lincoln Project and all never Trumpers. These people supporting Ron DeSantis 
are never Trump. They accuse him of all the worst things right up to participating in genocide and then still tell people that they will vote for him if he ends up being the guy with the little R next to his name. And they say it's because of their principles and their loyalty. These people could have fought. They could have kept talking about election fraud in 2020. The fact that our elections are illegitimate across the country. They didn't have to let that go, but they chose to anyway. In fact, they chose to work against the people trying to keep election fraud in the public consciousness and convince people of the reality of it. Are we supposed to believe that they are going to support Donald Trump if he's the nominee? Of course not. Are we supposed to believe they're doing any of this in good faith when they have never operated in good faith before? They didn't try to preserve the win in 2020. They tried to help the regime in supporting Biden's legitimacy. So when they claim that all they care about is winning, it is blatantly a lie. When they claim that their real motivation is the understanding that Donald Trump couldn't get the job done, but they can, they are not saying that in good faith because they did not rally to the support of the duly elected president. Their galaxy brain take only serves to further expose their complicity. These people are liars and frauds and should not be taken seriously. I went after one of the lead DeSantis simps last night. He is one of the people who always gives this galaxy brain explanation. He helped fight election fraud and it just wasn't enough because Donald Trump is incompetent and stupid and not as strong as him. He's the real pragmatist. He knows how to win. He's ready to get the job done and he knows that the only way to win a rigged election is to support Ron DeSantis, the only person that the regime will allow to win a rigged election. He, quote, tweeted a post from a normal American. He said, this is silly. If the account is real, then she is frustrated. She's taking it out on other Republicans because we at least pay attention. The real enemy, the Democrats, won't. This is all her cope. And so I, quote, tweeted Kurt Schlichter, DeSantis simp, and wrote, I love when the uniparty right tells you the uniparty left is the real enemy while they're making it clear that you're their real enemy. And that is Kurt's normal thing, quote, tweeting posts from small Trump supporting accounts so that he can have his 430,000 plus mostly fake followers attack that person. That is what the quote tweet thing is being used for by these people. They want their followers to go attack this other person. Again, the effort here is the demoralization of Trump supporters. He is treating normal Americans who support Trump as the enemy. And so I pointed that out to him. And Kurt Schlichter does not like being pointed out as a member of the Uniparty. He said, yeah, I'm the guy who's going to make you poorer and take your guns and pay other people's college loans and have your kids indoctrinated. Yeah, very edgy. That's his quote tweeted response to me. He's claiming sarcastically that he is nothing like the Democrats who are actually pushing for all that stuff. No. He's the controlled opposition that allows it. He supports all the people who have allowed that stuff to fester for four decades now. And so I quote tweeted him again in response and said, you're supporting the usurpation of the United States of America. You're exactly that guy. Yes, everyone sees it except you retards. And he did not like that. He had been spam tweeting posts like this, trying to call out average normal Americans, Posting, posting, posting over and over and over again. 
he was already engaged in a similar thing with a much larger account, a guy named Seth Levy, who goes by The Reckoning on X Twitter. And so Kurt was very currently active on Twitter, all frothed up about the whole thing. But he disappeared from his main account immediately. No more tweets for like 15 minutes. And I start getting absolutely blitzed by an account called at and I'll whisper no. And I'll whisper no, by the way, is a quote from the character Rorschach at the beginning of Watchmen, both the graphic novel and the movie. I start getting spammed with all these posts, very angry posts, questioning how I can talk about the Uniparty when I support Donald Trump, who is endorsed by and has endorsed Lindsey Graham, who Kurt claims is part of the Uniparty. Now, Lindsey Graham is part of the Uniparty. And I have talked extensively about Trump's endorsements and have noted that Trump is always in mid-negotiation. This is about you do this thing, I do this thing. That is our deal. If our deal is broken, then the deal is off and Trump will disavow that person. Until the deal is broken, they are both getting what they want out of it. Trump's support and endorsement do not mean that he is forever tied to that character. He is getting what he needs and giving what he needs in order to get what he needs. This is a very normal relationship in the world, and it is especially normal in politics. But Kurt thinks this is a slam dunk argument about anyone claiming that Ron is part of the Uniparty or that his supporters are supporting the Uniparty. But the thing is, Kurt has tried this on me before. I am already familiar with what he's doing, and I'm very familiar with his language. I read people closely. Over time, I come to understand how they engage and what language they use. And so after a few of his posts, nonstop, Lindsey Graham, Lindsey Graham, Lindsey Graham, Lindsey Graham, I realize, wow, Kurt hasn't posted in a bit, but this account can't stop posting every 30 seconds or a minute about Lindsey Graham. This account thinks they have me cornered. I've heard this argument before. Where have I heard it? Oh, it's Kurt Schlichter. And so I say, hey, Kurt. Nice sock account. And what happens? The sock account that is spamming me these harassing posts about Lindsey Graham immediately silences itself and it starts blocking any of my followers who engage. So I start calling him out his main account in front of all of my followers so that they know this town hall writer who pretends to be the staunchest of staunch conservatives talking all the time about all oh, buy your guns and ammo. All I care about is winning. Trump wasn't strong enough or smart enough to win. That's why we need Ron DeSantis. That's how he pretends to be with all his little buddies. Now he's getting exposed for hiding behind a sock account. And he goes on and says, oh, I would never have a sock account. Why would I use a sock account to say things that I'll say on my normal account? Hey, Kurt, you know how I realized it was your sock account? It's because you say the same things you say on your normal account. You moron. None of this worked for him at all, of course. He got completely called out, completely caught. He recruited the little army of Ron bots to come help him. That didn't work. And then just for good measure, I searched his feed for Watchmen. And it turns out he's a Watchmen fan. Now, I know that occasionally people are like, why do you talk about this stuff so much? And truth be told, I would much rather not talk about this stuff. I would love it if none of this was happening. I would love it if everyone who ever called themselves a Republican or a conservative was rallying to the support of the duly elected president. I think that every American should be doing so, which is why I think it is so gravely immoral that they aren't 
And while they're not, they are trying to convince us that they are nonetheless our allies. That is absolutely unacceptable when the usurpation of the United States of America is what's at stake. I said at some point, either late in 2021 or early in 2022, that 2023 was going to be about rhino hunting. Everyone said I was crazy and that I would be pushing away our allies. They're not our allies. They are a disguised element of our enemy. They are controlled opposition. That is what they do. It is why they exist. You cannot count on the support of these people because they're not our allies. Their goals are not the same as our goals. Their goals are personal. They want personal success and status and wealth in the party of false decorum, which is why they continue to burnish their image with us while never risking it within the party of false decorum. They will try to find ways to get us on their side so that we believe that we are allies while they do what's necessary to advance within the party of false decorum. The uniparty construct underneath the regime provides the incentive and punishment structure by which these people guide their lives and their decisions. It is provable and obvious that they do not represent a coherent or consistent principled position at any point. If you fail to support the duly elected president of a sovereign nation of which you claim to hold allegiance in favor of the incentive and punishment structure of a global regime that can only necessarily tend toward communism, you cannot pretend that you are a conservative or that you are, quote unquote, on the right. You are only controlled opposition and the people who fall for it are made useful idiots by the regime. That is what the construct actually is. And it doesn't matter if you have a little R next to your name or if you've always voted for Republicans or if you voted for Trump twice. It doesn't matter who you voted for. It matters what you're doing now. It matters whether you stood up to be counted and expressed your voice and said clearly, I can see that our nation is being usurped through widespread election fraud that compromises our government in full at every level across the nation, because that's what we're dealing with. Our elected officials are illegitimate, which means that everything they do is similarly illegitimate. And it's a shitty situation that I wish didn't exist but it doesn't change the reality. And until that situation is dealt with, the situation in our country remains unsustainable. Now, I don't want to make today a super long episode, but I still have a few more things to get to because this is an important subject. It is time that people realize these quote unquote conservative media figures and influencers are not on your side. I've been saying it for years. People think I'm nuts. People think I am harming my ability to advance within the conservative media sphere. I don't care about that. I don't know what could possibly be clearer at this point. I don't care what any of these people think of me. I don't want to work with them. I don't want to work for them. I think they are all lowlifes. I believe they are participating in harming our nation in grave and extraordinary ways on behalf of a global communist regime. And I think you understand that I can make that argument rather convincingly. If you're not convinced, then maybe this isn't the show for you. 
But it's getting really difficult to deny that this is who these people are. It's getting really difficult to continue giving them the benefit of the doubt. And all of this is only made stranger by the fact that what really set Kurt off or what seemed to set him off last night is when I said, I sincerely hope that this is a pro-Trump red team op. The only bit of hope I hold out for these people is that. And if him going absolutely bonkers was him convincing me that it's definitely not a red team op, well, I guess that worked pretty well. The thing is, the sometimes these guys agree with us explanation of why these people aren't evil is totally insufficient, which is why you need better litmus tests than whether they say things you like sometimes. It makes absolutely no sense to talk about the strength of the people's voice when it comes to boycotting Bud Light and Target and then not rally people to the defense of a duly elected president when the world is watching an election be stolen in broad daylight. These people are just liars. And at some point it has to matter. I don't know about you, but I don't like to listen to shows made by stupid people or made by people who think that I am stupid and that they can trick me and exploit me for a million dollars a week, a million dollars a week. Now, that kind of money is only really available for mass producers of trans content. Somebody like Kurt Schlichter writing his slop for townhall.com doesn't make that kind of money. And I doubt he's getting rich off the novels. He talks endlessly about writing. But all of these people are either getting paid being promised money and positions of power in the future, or they are compromised. There's not much else to say. I remember being at CPAC watching Kurt Schlichter run around the place with John Cardillo as they tried to hold court in the hotel bar for hours and hours, hitting on women and spreading rumors about how the attendees of CPAC were really disappointed in Donald Trump because he gave up on them and gave up on the country. That rumor came directly from Kurt Schlichter. But let's talk a bit about the candidate, Ron DeSantis himself. Yesterday, we talked about how Ron had a disastrous debate performance. That was clear to absolutely everybody, although they have revised their story. And they're now saying that Ron won, even as his poll numbers continue to slide. And Donald Trump reports that there are rumors that Ron might drop out of the presidential race and then attempt to run for Senate, primarying Florida Senator Rick Scott, the Ron campaign sent Ron back to Iowa so that he could pretend to play baseball for a photo shoot on the field of dreams. And then he McCain himself back to Florida so that he could deal with these two important crises, the shooting in Jacksonville and this tropical storm Adelia that we are told might be a devastating hurricane tomorrow. And hopefully it is not. I noted yesterday that Ron gave a couple statements in reaction to the shooting, he said that it was totally unacceptable that race was a factor in this murder. He said that apparently within moments of the killing, a manifesto was revealed. That manifesto showed that there were racial motivations for this killing. Ron knew all of this to be true, and he came out and reaffirmed the official story on the shooting, a race-based shooting. Black support was rallying to Donald Trump. And the regime needed to let everybody know that Republicans are still racist and they still want to shoot black people. Now, I know it is a sensitive subject for some people whenever any doubt is cast over any element 
of one of these shooting stories because they believe it is insensitive to the victims to question these stories, to question the official story at all. They think it is cruel to the families of the victims to wonder whether the victims were killed or even existed in the first place. We're talking about people we have never heard of before who we are now told are dead and we are not allowed to question it no matter how much fake news we get because it's insensitive to the families. And oh, hey, by the way, remember last week when we talked about the assassination of Yevgeny Prigozhin of the Wagner Group? The Daily Mail just published an article today with someone claiming that Prigozhin is still plenty alive. Now, do we know if that's true? No, we sure don't. Do we know if Evgeny Prigozhin of the Wagner Group ever even existed and is not a clever deep fake? No, we don't. So we don't know anything about that. You know who looks bad? The fake news, which is just a reminder that we should be exercising extreme skepticism at all times with these stories, which is what I am doing. And it is even more important to do that when elements of the story seem unnatural and seem exploitative. Ron DeSantis giving a statement on the afternoon of that Jacksonville shooting that confirms the manifesto within hours of the shooting while Ron's return to Florida is being used to show him as a responsible, competent governor. That's good reason to suspect the story in its entirety. But he's not the only one exploiting the story. A CNN Chiron last night read, New video of gunmen entering site of deadly racist rampage. Is that a sensitive headline? Is that taking this story seriously or is that exploiting the story? And how about this little segment on CNN? I spoke with my colleague, Juliette Kayyem. She used to be an official with uh, the Department of Homeland Security. And she told me that Jacksonville specifically is a, a breeding ground of neo-Nazism, that they have been tracking this and seeing this. I mean, what can you tell me and tell us about the climate there in Jacksonville um, with these hate groups? Well, I, I think the federal government and the Justice Department are going to have to do a better job and uh, and uh, exercising exactly where these hate groups exist. Uh, I mean, we see these uh, Confederate signs, we see the Trump signs uh, constantly on our street, on our streets, and we know from that standpoint that uh, there's hatred, and uh, uh, we're just going to have to deal with it some kind of way. And the Justice Department needs to be right here today, uh, looking into it. Isaiah Rumlin, we so appreciate the time and we're so sorry for the loss um, in Jacksonville and the community is experiencing um, in the days to come moving forward. I so Juliet Kayem, formerly of the Department of Homeland Security, says there's a rise in neo-Nazism in Jacksonville. In fact, it's a breeding ground. And CNN's guest, a man named Isaiah Rumlin, who is the president of Florida's chapter of the NAACP says they see Confederate flags and Trump flags on their streets, which means that, quote, we know from that standpoint that there's hatred and we just going to have to deal with it in some kind of way. Now, why would we believe the official story about this shooting? Well, Ron has come out and said there was this shooting. It was racially motivated. There is a manifesto. I have read that manifesto. Just kidding. Someone told me about that manifesto. And we have to assume that the manifesto exists and that someone read it and told Ron. 
But Ron has confirmed that the shooting is real and that the race element is real. And despite Ron getting profusely booed while speaking in front of the urban Jacksonville community where this happened, while promising money to a councilwoman who then covered for Ron in thanking him for the money, Ron is on the ground in Florida handling the problems and understanding the very sensitive race element. And then on CNN, what do we have? Oh, there is a race element. In fact, the race element, it's Trump supporters. Now, let's imagine for a second that Ron hadn't confirmed any of the elements of this story. What would it seem like? Just another one of those exploitative mainstream media narratives about a shooting. And think about this. This is the same mainstream media who lied about a pandemic, lied about masks and lockdowns, lied about vaccines, lied about mail-in ballots, lied about George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Jacob Blake, lied about the riots that followed them and called them mostly peaceful protests. They lied about the election. They lied about the very violent insurrection. They've lied for years and years about immigration. They lied about the Ukraine war. And now they're about to start another very deadly pandemic. But we're supposed to imagine that they would never lie about a shooting because it's just too sensitive a subject. And if we question it, then we are actually being cruel to the families of the victims, even though there's no part of any of it that we can actually verify. Do I wish it wasn't like this? Do I wish that we could trust that the things we were told were actually true? Yeah, that would be a much nicer world. Unfortunately, it's not the real world. And it's not going to be the real world anytime soon. It's probably not ever going to be the real world. And because it's not the real world, it's not responsible for us to pretend that it is. We actually do have to question all of these things, especially when we are watching society react as a result of things that might be complete and total fictions. Would 2020 have been different if people had taken some degree of skepticism about the George Floyd story? Yeah, that would have been a lot different if people didn't believe that, but they did. And look what happened. You can't question it. If you question it, you're racist. That's what the celebrities were telling everybody. And everybody knows that celebrities are smart and good people. That's why they're so famous. And sure, their literal job is to say whatever they are told to say, but they would never go out and just say what they were told to say. I mean, not for free. Oh, they're getting paid when they do all this political messaging? Oh, they're getting paid American taxpayer money when they're doing all this political messaging. Hey, yeah, yeah, they are. And they're getting massive sponsorships from the regime. And they're having their names placed on branded products that they don't create, that they don't market, businesses that they don't run. And then we're told that Kim Kardashian is a self-made billionaire. And we just bark like seals and clap our hands while the ball spins in the air. And we think that must be true, but it's not true. It's not true. You know how it works. Stop believing it. Fox News had Ron on the TV today talking about how he's done everything anyone could possibly do to prepare for this hurricane. And you really got to take note of these events that are being set up to make Ron look like the best governor ever. He just McCain's his way back to Florida to take care of these events. Now, is it possible that I am being led by my anti-Ron bias? Yep, it's possible, but I don't think so. And at this point, I think it should be clear that my anti-Ron bias is well justified. And let's also take note of the fact 
that just we were told about how California was going to get wrecked with this massive Pacific hurricane, something that hasn't happened since like 1939. And then the hurricane ends up being nothing but a bunch of rain. And if that happens with this storm that Ron just McCain his way back to Florida to be able to handle, if your eyebrow doesn't raise understanding that the regime has been trying to set up this Gavin Newsom versus Ron DeSantis dichotomy, I don't know what you're paying attention to. And for the record, I have no problem with you exercising extreme skepticism when it comes to the things that I say. That is what you should do. You should be reasoning for yourself and discerning for yourself. And I hope that my show helps you do that, or at least helps you understand the process by which I do that so you can apply it on your own. But dismissing things as impossible or suggesting that they're always just some random occurrence does not work in this day and age. These are stories being told to you by media outlets representing the interests of and funded by some of the most powerful transnational corporations in the world, all of whom are partnered with the global governing bodies like the World Economic Forum. They are telling you what they want you to believe so that you will go along with their agenda for the world. That is the entire purpose of the mainstream media. It is not to tell you what you need to know so that you can navigate your own life successfully. They don't care about that. They don't know you. For the most part, they despise you, which is why depopulation is part of their agenda. So by all means, be skeptical of me, but be skeptical of them. Don't be skeptical of me because I am too skeptical of them. That's just you biasing toward the default explanation, the official story as delivered by the media. There is nothing about the media's story about the default explanation that should be biased toward. It can be entirely fake from the bottom up. There is no requirement that any element of it is real. These are the people telling you that these massive fires are being caused by climate change. What part of that story is real? That is only an intentional manipulation and exploitation. But let's turn to the man that that very same media tells you received 81 million real lawful American votes. The man they said represented a return to decency for whom they claimed the adults are back in the room. This is Congresswoman Nancy Mace. One thing you did tell me, and this is what you said last time you were here with me, you said that it's, mm-hmm. you know, forget 20 million, it's 50 million. And this is based oh, yeah. on. You know, oh, documents yeah. that you've seen that, that we have not seen yet. So can you, is it still 50 million? Mm-hmm. Is it more now? I mean, oh, what, it's, what do you it's know? staggeringly high. It's definitely, it's definitely more than 50 million. It's staggeringly high. I'm not allowed to share the confidential information in the suspicious activity report sitting at the Treasury right now. But the amount of money we are talking about is staggering and the fact that mainstream media has just ignored this swept this under the rug and said all of this is normal this is probably the most corrupt president in u.s history and i don't say that lightly i mean i come from a very purple district but the double standard here is very obvious there's a two two different standards of justice in this country and you know joe biden ought to probably have a mugshot when this thing is said and done and i want the american people to see all the evidence that we have Now, that is not new information. That is a rerun, but an important rerun, because that narrative is actually 
reaching mass understanding in the public. Joe Biden and his family have profited to the tune of at least tens of millions of dollars by selling the power of his political office. And that's just what's in these suspicious activity reports. That stuff related to Hunter Biden and the laptop, that doesn't include the decades of political corruption prior to Hunter ever getting involved at that level. Joe Biden was a corrupt politician in Delaware for decades before he became Barack Obama's vice president. Yesterday on X, formerly known as Twitter, the journalist Wendell Husebo from Claremont and Breitbart wrote, Breaking National Archives possesses about 5,400 emails and records linked to President Joe Biden's email aliases. The email aliases Robert Peters, Robin Ware, and J.R.B. Ware were used to share government information and discuss business with Hunter Biden and associates, according to the Southeastern Legal Foundation, which filed a lawsuit to compel the agency to turn over the info. Robert Peters alias raised concerns among Republicans in particular since 2021, as it is unusual for government officials to use an obscure government network with an alias linked to the DOD. Now, Marco Polo in the report on the Biden laptop has these Biden aliases in there. So again, this is a rerun. This information has been available for well more than a year, as has the critical information on Biden family corruption. All of it was available before the election of 2020. Husebo continues, quoting, All too often, public officials abuse their power by using it for their personal or political benefit. When they do, many seek to hide it. Southeastern Legal Foundation General Counsel Kimberly Herman told Just the News in a statement. The only way to preserve governmental integrity is for NARA to release Biden's nearly 5,400 emails to SLF, that's the Southeastern Legal Foundation, and thus the public. The American public deserves to know what is in them. Now, NARA, the National Archives and Records Administration, that's the organization that got upset that Donald Trump wasn't giving his personal property, his personal and presidential records over to them quickly enough, which is what caused the raid at Mar-a-Lago. Husebo further notes in Breitbart, the Robert L. Peters alias received an email in 2016 that CC'd Hunter Biden about Ukraine. The email, which Comer says the committee already saw, includes an attachment with the vice president's schedule, indicating that he had spoken by phone to then Ukrainian president Petro Poroshenko. Hillary's homebrew ain't got nothing on Robert Peters' government-funded money laundering operation. Former Deputy Director of National Intelligence, Cash Patel, alleged to Breitbart News. Cash Patel is not a conspiracy theorist. Joe Biden used taxpayer dollars while vice president to set up an offshore-style email server based in the White House to route all of his emails regarding his and Hunter's business dealings with the Chinese, Ukrainians, and others. That is Joe Biden, while vice president, setting up a private email server to handle communications about his corrupt foreign business dealings. 
under the same administration during which Hillary Clinton had done the exact same thing while secretary of state. It's almost like this is common practice for the corrupt officials in the evil twin faction of the American government. The Robert Peters alias has a at PCI.gov domain name, as Breitbart News reported. PCI represents the executive office of the president and is connected to a Department of Defense network. PCI networks encompass the Secret Service, Executive Office of the President, National Security Staff, and White House Communications Office, according to the White House Communications Agency. The networks meet WHCA's primary alternative contingency emergency communications requirements. So the fake president, Joe Biden, while he was vice president, was conducting corrupt foreign business under an alias on government networks. The alias was used so that people could not discover what it is he was doing. And while you might think, I don't really want people reading my emails, Joe Biden, as vice president, is a public official, and he doesn't have that option. The government is meant to be of, by, and for the people. That means that the communications of elected officials are themselves public records. It's a bit strange for them to want to hide their communications, isn't it? And a bit strange to be setting up offshore private email servers. But that's not even close to the extent of Biden corruption in the news this week. Just the News on Sunday published this. Biden officials met with special counsel Jack Smith's aide weeks before Trump indictment. Top aide to special counsel Jack Smith met with a member of the White House counsel's office and an FBI agent just weeks before Smith brought charges against former President Donald Trump for allegedly mishandling classified documents. White House visitor logs show causing conservatives to raise the alarm about possible coordinated efforts to target President Joe Biden's likely 2024 opponent, Jay Bratt, who joined Smith's team in November 2022, met on March 31st, 2023 with Caroline Saba, the deputy chief of staff for the White House counsel's office. FBI Washington field office agent Danielle Ray also attended the meeting per visitor logs reviewed Saturday by the New York Post. Nine weeks after the meeting, Smith's office issued its first indictment of Trump. Special counsel spokesman Peter Carr said Bratt visited the White House for a, quote, case-related interview, but he declined further comment. Saba left the administration in May to attend law school, according to Politico. Bratt, who leads the Justice Department's Counterintelligence and Export Division, also met with Saba in November 2021 while Trump was negotiating with the National Archives about returning presidential records before a formal investigation had been opened. Bratt also visited the White House in September 2021 to meet with Catherine Riley, a White House chief of staff advisor. There is no publicly available information about the discussions that occurred in the meetings. Rudy Giuliani said there is no legitimate purpose for a line guy at the DOJ to be meeting with the White House, except if it's coordinated by the highest levels. What's happening is they have trashed every ethical rule that exists and they have created a state police. It is a Biden state prosecutor and a Biden state police. George Washington University's law professor Jonathan Turley said the meeting, quote, 
raises obvious concerns about visits to the White House after Bratt began his work with the special counsel. Turley also said there is no reason why the Justice Department should not be able to confirm whether this meeting was related to the ongoing investigation or concerns some other matter. The New York Post article also had this. Bratt, a Harvard-educated attorney, is a longtime Department of Justice hand and has served as chief of its counterintelligence and export control section in the National Security Division since October 2018. The section focuses on investigating and prosecuting cases affecting the national security and foreign relations of the United States. In this capacity, Bratt visited Mar-a-Lago in June 2022 to inspect storage facilities at the property and personally interacted with Trump. So that is within the couple months before the Mar-a-Lago raid. He later became a leading advocate for the unannounced raid of the property in August of that year, the Washington Post reported. The New York Post also notes, Brad is not the only Department of Justice connection to a Trump indictment. Another longtime Department of Justice official, Matthew Colangelo, freshly hired in December 2022 into the office of Manhattan's far left district attorney, Alvin Bragg, also played a critical role in Trump's indictment in New York City for alleged hush money payments to porn star Stormy Daniels. And it is worth remembering that Bragg is pursuing Trump under what is referred to as a novel legal theory. They are combining what they call falsified business records with what they claim are campaign finance violations, even though the Federal Election Commission already said they're not. This is over a purported affair between Trump and Stormy Daniels where both of whom claim the affair never happened and Stormy Daniels owes Donald Trump somewhere in the neighborhood of $600,000 as a result of litigation linked to these circumstances. Biden officials directly involved with that indictment, Biden officials directly involved with the Jack Smith indictment. But let's shift back to Georgia for the Fonnie Willis indictment. This is a thread by a Twitter X user, with the screen name at Canaries Blue, B-L-U-E, Canaries Blue. And this user in a long thread lays out a convincing and well-documented case that the illegitimate administration is funding the Brookings Institute in their work to essentially make Fonnie Willis's case for her. They basically put together all of the logic and the quote unquote evidence behind this conspiracy charge. You can find this by going to the info stream on Telegram t.me slash very reasonable and using the search feature and typing in Brookings. Or you can go directly to that account on Twitter slash X at Canaries Blue. But here we go. Did the National Science Foundation, the U.S. government, fund the work behind the case against Trump in Fulton County, Georgia. A grant was issued to Brookings on September 1st, 2021, and the date of the report was October 2021. They were paid $475,000, and the user begins to enclose evidence of these transactions and the report. This is a big study for the Brookings Institute. Look through the table of contents. And it is quite a long report. It is over a hundred pages. There is an executive summary. Then the first section reported facts. Here are some of the facts. I'm going to just briefly go through some of this. You can look through it on your own if you like. The 2020 presidential election results in Georgia 
On election day, Trump immediately claims he won Georgia. Trump and his allies launch efforts to overturn Georgia's election results. Trump and his lawyers pressure Georgia legislators and Governor Kemp. Trump pressures Georgia's attorney general and senior election official. Trump solicits the Justice Department to interfere in Georgia's election. Trump calls, pressures, and threatens Secretary Raffensperger. Trump continues to pursue his false claims of fraud in Georgia. Trump's efforts to flip Georgia fail. So they take 26, 27 pages to lay out all of that factual case. And those are the facts that Fonnie Willis's case is based on. But let's continue. They have a little section about the Fulton County investigation. Section three is potential crimes, possible election law crimes, criminal solicitation to commit election fraud, solicitation, intent, crime, possible misdemeanors, failure of public or political officer to perform duty, making a false statement, destroying, defacing or removing ballots, possible felonies, interference with primaries and elections, counterfeit ballots or ballot labels fraudulent entries, unlawful alteration or destruction of entries, intentional interference with performance of election duties, potential crimes, violating other sections of Georgia's criminal code. The final one on that list is Georgia's racketeer influenced and corrupt organizations act. That's Rico. That's what the charges were brought under. And they list the defenses. Trump does not equal categorical immunity from prosecution based on his conduct while president. Trump's conduct targeting the Georgia election is not shielded from criminal prosecution by any constitutional immunity doctrine. The possibility of removal to federal court is no obstacle to prosecution. And that is one of the things that they're dealing with right now. Prosecuting President Trump would not violate the First Amendment. Prosecuting President Trump would not amount to retaliatory or selective prosecution. And Trump's potential claim that he honestly believed he won the election in Georgia will not negate his intent. So Brookings in this hundred plus page study, potentially funded by the government, by the illegitimate Biden regime, lays out in full the rationale for Fonnie Willis's case in Georgia. Back to the thread. Did Fonnie Willis just have to copy and paste the information? She is mentioned in the executive summary of the report. It discusses possible felonies, the defenses, and even selective prosecutions. It even brings up Trump's potential claim that he honestly believed he won the election, as we just covered. There were seven authors that contributed to this document. Brookings Institute is a nonprofit organization. The authors, Donald Ayer, Ambassador Norman Eisen. Norm Eisen is the now infamous author of the Color Revolution playbook. The man literally designs the playbook for color revolutions around the world on behalf of the global regime. And I know you might think that is an extraordinary claim to make, but the way to solve that problem you're having right now, thinking I'm crazy, is to simply research it for yourself. Among the other authors, Gwen Keyes Fleming, Colby Gallagher, Jason Harrow, Joshua Matz, and Raymond Tolentino. And then Canaries Blue goes on to lay out evidence of each and every one of these authors appearing on cable news shows and writing articles in mainstream regime propaganda outlets, arguing 
for Donald Trump's guilt in all of these scenarios. He has each and every one of them participating in these sorts of efforts, making appearances and writing articles arguing Trump's guilt. These are the people who wrote the report at the Brookings Institution that outlines the full basis for the Fonnie Willis indictment. And then a second edition of the report was published in November 2022. It's twice as long as the first report and much more detailed. Again, the Brookings Institute was awarded a grant prior to the report but this time from the Department of Commerce in the amount of $777,500 on July 1st, 2022. The second report would be published four months later in November. This is truly a witch hunt, just like Donald Trump states. Brookings Institution is behind this. And Canaries Blue attaches a graphic of the book cover of a book edited by Norm Eisen called Overcoming Trumpery, How to Restore Ethics, the Rule of Law, and Democracy. He goes on, Victoria Newland's husband, Robert Kagan, is an author and senior fellow at Brookings. No coincidence here. And Victoria Newland is the Undersecretary of State, the woman primarily responsible for overthrowing Ukraine's government in 2014 as a member of the Obama administration. And it just so happens that she is the woman who, in a Senate hearing last year, admitted to Marco Rubio that the U.S. does, in fact, have bioweapons labs in Ukraine. But she says that they are just biological research facilities. And that they're really biodefense. And of course, any bioweapons lab is a biodefense lab. It's called dual use. Canaries Blue reiterates, Brookings author and senior fellow Robert Kagan is married to Victoria Newland, acting deputy secretary of state. He closes the thread with four specific government studies by Brookings Institute about Trump indictments. 62821, New York. 10-4-21, Fulton, first edition, 6-6-22, Trump on trial, J-6 and D.C., that's the second Jack Smith indictment, and 11-4-2022, Fulton, second edition, all have two authors in common, Trump charges in 2023, New York on March 30th, D.C. on August 1st, Fulton on August 14th, isn't that incredible? Your illegitimate government funded the elite global communist think tank, the Brookings Institution, to supply in full the legal rationale behind these indictments with members of the illegitimate administration working directly with the prosecutors. And you're thinking, this is crazy. How can you call into question the integrity of the members of the illegitimate administration and the prosecutors bringing these cases and the good people at the Brookings Institution? Well, here's how. Fonnie Willis is attempting to prosecute Donald Trump for, in part, questioning the integrity of our elections. Except this is reported by the Gateway Pundit. Today, Fonnie Willis describes election problems in Georgia's 2020 primary. We've got to do better. And they have audio. Now a resurfaced radio interview with WABE reveals Willis had a lack of confidence in Georgia's election process during her own election primary. 
Willis made an appearance on WABE's Morning Edition on June 10th, 2020, as election results from Fulton County's DA race were still not all counted from the day before. Oh, one day of not counting calls into question the integrity of an election. That's incredible because in California, it takes like seven weeks. Arizona didn't call their 2020 race until November 7th, days after the election. And last fall, it took days or was it weeks to get a result in Kerry Lake's race. And those races are still under contest as they work their way through the legal system in Arizona. From WABE, Howard's chief opponent, Fonnie Willis, once worked in the district attorney's office as a chief deputy. Willis spoke to WABE's closer look on Wednesday afternoon. She says the state's election process is steeped in problems. And here's the audio following the primary election in Georgia in 2020. So we've got to do better. Georgia was on the national news. And the bottom line is we have to do better. They had three additional weeks to get this election ready. You remember, we're supposed to go on May 19th. So that's Fonnie Willis, the woman trying to indict Donald Trump for the non-crime of challenging an election, herself challenging the integrity of an election in 2020. So let's return, if you will, to the galaxy brain takes of the GOP establishment and elite, the conservative incorporated media and influencers. They have to figure out some way to navigate this minefield of inconvenient facts within these narratives. They can't make it look like they are directly supporting the regime, but they also can't defend Trump in any way because the entire purpose is figuring out how to destroy Trump. And so what do they say about these things? They say, oh, yeah, well, the prosecutions, they probably are unjust and they probably are political prosecutions waged by the Biden administration. They are definitely corrupt on some level. But you see, the thing is, there's nothing we can do about it unless we can win an election. And Donald Trump might be imprisoned when the next election comes around. So we're going to have to support someone else to make sure that we can win. And then that person can pardon Donald Trump. And that's all we can do. That's all we can do. Daddy government says that's all we can do. We don't have any choice. It's that the government controls everything. They're too powerful. <laughs> We're staunch conservatives, really sovereign individuals who care about individual freedom and justice in this country. But no, they don't. They don't care about that at all. And what do they stop short of saying? They stop short of saying that all of this is done as election interference. Why would the regime have to interfere in the election? In fact, I was told this morning by a very, very dumb DeSantis supporter who has gotten this argument from the DeSantis simps. Donald Trump is actually being supported more after these indictments and the Democrats want Donald Trump to be the nominee so that they can defeat him in the general, which they already plan to steal, by the way. So the indictments are actually the Democrats trying to help Donald Trump because they want him to be the nominee. So the only solution is to support Ron DeSantis, who the Democrats are actually scared of, even though they can choose the winner of the election. How's that for galaxy brained? But we can't call it election interference. We can't call it election interference, except there was also this yesterday. Judge sets March 2024 trial date in Trump's federal case related to 2020 election. This is from CBS News. 
A federal judge in Washington, D.C. has set a trial date for March 2024 in the case brought by the Justice Department against former President Donald Trump related to alleged efforts to thwart the transfer of presidential power after the 2020 presidential election. And it takes them until the fourth paragraph to note that the trial will begin. By the way, this is according to Judge Tanya Chutkin, who herself is a regime communist. They say. Chutkin's schedule means the proceeding as it currently stands will begin one day before Super Tuesday, a crucial date on the presidential election calendar when more than a dozen states will hold their presidential primaries. So the Trump hating judge sets a date to begin the trial of this RICO conspiracy charge about Donald Trump wanting to overthrow the results of a free and fair election and retain illegitimate power over the United States of America based on a blueprint composed by the regime's own elite think tank, the Brookings Institution, funded by the illegitimate administration. And the date she sets is the day before Super Tuesday, the biggest day on the primary calendar, the day after which it is usually obvious who the winner of the nomination for either party will be. And we are told by the uniparty left and the uniparty right that there is pretty much nothing to see here. Yeah, it's a little corrupt. And yeah, there are some strange things about it, but this is just how it goes. And everybody is just going to have to deal with it because you got no choice. We have all the power and you have none of the power because all of you are stupid rubes and we are always in control. That is what we are being told by these people. Now, on a positive note, it's important to remember that pretty much all of this is fake and will be ultimately meaningless. Do we think that people are going to fail to support Donald Trump because of the beginning of the trial and all of the lead up on March 4th, where they talk about how Donald Trump is a criminal and show us all this very powerful evidence? No, that is never going to work in a million years. But the point is understanding what these people are capable of and what they are willing to do and what their uniparty rights supporters are willing to support. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel-couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!